Father, we thank you now as we open your word and to dig into your word and hear your word speak. I pray but open our hearts for you. This is your word. Not my word. It's not Paul's words. It's your word. The Lord, teach us your will and your desire for our life. Today. Father, I pray that we would be obedient, listen, and to apply your word. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning as we continue our work, our way through 1 Corinthians. Paul is telling us to be, as a church, to be countercultural. We're, we're to be different from the rest of the world. We're not to be like the world, but we're to be different. We're, to, we're God's chosen people. We're called out from the world to be sanctified, to be holy, to be separate in the world, to be countercultural. And one way that we begin to be countercultural is by applying God's word to our lives. And so that's what we're kind of looking at today. We're looking at the path to spiritual maturity. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 9. Now, if you do not have a Bible, then I do invite you to take the Pew Bible there in front of you and turn to page 896 in the Pew Bible, 896 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible at home, then please take that Pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. So 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9 page 896 in the Bible. If you found your place there, please stand with me reverence to the reading of God's Word. Hear the word of the Lord, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. God's building. Amen. God add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. You know, if we, we go and we take a walk down the hall here and we go down to the nursery, we'll see the nursery filled with, uh, with babies. 
right? Babies doing baby things. They're playing with their toys. Uh, uh, some of them might get a little upset when another one takes their toy from them and they throw a little fit. And, oh, now, now, no need for that, right? We, uh, we enjoy that. They're, they're babies. They're supposed to act like that. And so babies are cute and cuddly, even with all of those little temper tantrums that they throw every now and again, right? We expect that because they're babies. We expect babies to act like babies. They're not adults. We don't expect them to act like that. But then, on the other hand, when we have adults acting like babies, that's not so cute and cuddly, is it? No, that's quite annoying. We don't like that because that's not the way adults are supposed to act. Adults are supposed to act like adults. There's supposed to be some maturity there. They're not to throw temper tantrums and all of those things we expect babies to act like babies and we expect adults to act like adults but sometimes that's not the case sometimes we see adults acting like babies and we say to them you're being childish well that's in a sense what's taking place here in Corinth Uh, these Christians these uh, believers they've been Christians now for uh, at least two or three years at this point. Paul spent a year and a half with them, training them up, and he has left them, and now he is in Ephesus, and he's been at Ephesus for a couple of years now, and he's riding over to Corinth, he's addressing these, these issues, and, and what's he saying here? But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people. He's talking about when he first came to them, right? When he first came to Corinth and he began to, to teach them the gospel, he says, I could not address you as spiritual people but as but as people of the flesh as infants in christ i fed you with milk not solid food for you were not yet ready for it and and, and that's no problem right because they were babies in christ they were infants in christ they they didn't know any better so so paul he he fed them the foundations of the faith he fed them the gospel. He fed them the very foundations of the faith. And, and that was fine because they were infants in Christ. But now, it's three years later, and Paul says, but even now, that, that word there, it, it's and in the, in the ESV, but it, it, it's a strong, uh, strong, uh, controversial style or a, a strong adversive statement it's the, the greek word allah uh, and it's but right? he, he's emphasizing this I, I i treated you like infants then because you were infants in christ but now even now you're not ready for it you're not ready for solid food even now you should be adults but you're acting like babies you're acting like babies in Christ. You should be mature at this point. You should be eating solid food. You should be ready for the, the, the deeper things of Christ that we talked about last week, the deeper things of God. But you're not ready because you're still babies. He's a little aggravated at them. And he's meaning this to kind of bite a little bit. Yes, you were infants and that was great. But now childish you're acting like babies you know so many times in church that's what we see we expect 
young Christians to act like young Christians. We expect young Christians not to have everything together. We expect young Christians to, you know, still have a little fleshly, a uh, little flesh in them, right? They're, they're, they're going to act fleshly because they don't know the fundamentals of the faith. They're, they're learning. But when we see a, a person who's been in church their whole life and they, they've been professing Christ their whole life and they act like baby Christians, that's annoying. We see it all the time. We see it all the time because, and here's why we see it all the time, because so many Christians fail to make the investment in their life to grow up in Christ. They fail to work to to get off the milk of the Word, to get into the deep things of the Word. They fail to feed themselves God's Word. They fail to apply God's Word to their life so that they can grow up in Christ. But dear friend, what we see here today and what we see Paul really driving home to to us is that spiritual maturity should be the goal of every Christian. Spiritual maturity should be the goal of every Christian. You, dear, dear friend, you, dear Christian, one of your major goals in life should be to grow up in Christ. To grow in your faith, to deepen your faith, to become more solid in your faith. And if you're going to do that, there's some things that you're going to have to do. There's some investments that you're going to have to make to do that. Or else you're going to be like one of these people that Paul's talking to. You're going to be a baby in Christ. Though you should be mature, you're going to be an infant, a child. And so today we're going to see three requirements as we work through this little text here. We're going to see three requirements of, uh, for spiritual maturity. Three things that you're going to have to do. Three investments you're going to have to make to become mature in Christ. And so today I pray that we leave here with a, a greater sense of our goal of becoming mature in Christ. Grow up in Christ and to glorify Christ with our lives. pray that that would be the case. So as we begin now to work through the text and we see these three requirements, the first requirement that we see here is that spiritual maturity requires due diligence. Spiritual maturity requires due diligence or effort. It requires an effort on our part. It requires us to, to, to make an effort. We've got to work at it. We've got to, it's not just going to happen, right? We're not just going to get it by osmosis, just by being in church. We've got to work at it. Our scripture tells us to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Where there's work to be done, there's an effort to be made, an investment to be made in our spiritual life. So it requires due diligence. And it requires a couple of things that to us to be a diligent and at least a couple of things that we see from our text. It's applied in our text. First, we must be diligent in study. It requires diligence in study. Uh, Paul says, he, he makes that note there uh, about addressing them. That is, he, he was teaching them. He was teaching them. And what was he teaching them? Well, he, he uses this metaphor about milk and, and solid food. Well, he's talking about the Word of God, the deeper things of God that, he, that we looked at last week. He was talking about in just the previous couple of, of paragraphs. It's the deeper things of God. It's the Word of God. That's what he's getting at. It's the Word of God. 
God's Word to us. It requires us to dig into God's Word, to study God's Word. If we want to grow up in our faith, then we've got to learn more about God. We've got to learn more about His way. We've got to learn more about His desires for us, His will for us. And the only way that we learn what God wants from us and of us and for us is by getting into His Word. We've got to study God's Word. That means you come ready and attentive Every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, you're coming to church, you're coming to this hour, you're coming to the life group hour, and you're ready to learn from God's Word. You're prepared to listen, you're prepared to absorb God's Word, you're ready to, to hear it preached, you're re ready to hear it taught to you, you're, you're ready for that. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. It, it requires some study outside of church as well. Now, now think about this. I'm coming up on my fourth year here, just a, a few days away, right? Just, uh, and I've been here four years. In the four years that I've been here, I've preached through four small books of the Bible. Four small books. So uh, Jonah, Galatians, Philippians, and the other one up oh. Philippians Galatians Titus Titus was the other one it was so small I forgot it Titus. so so four books that I've taught through over the course of four years I've I've hit you know a few other books a part uh, portions of other books uh, uh, Genesis the sections on Abraham we've gone through those a, a portion of the Psalms this past summer just a very small portion, and, and we've, we've covered a, a fair good chunk of Matthew during the course of, of time, just looking at certain things in Matthew. But that's it, over four years. And those were small books. Now we're going through Corinthians, and my estimation is we're going to spend at least a year in Corinthians. One book alone. So think about that. There's 66 books in the Bible. If I'm here 20 years and averaging one book a year, I mean, that's only a small portion of the Scripture. And so if all you're doing is coming here on Sunday morning and getting what you're getting here Sunday morning and then life group, if, if that's what you're getting, that's great. That's better than nothing, right? That's good. But it's not enough. Not if you really want to grow in Christ, you're going to have to, to, to pay the price and you're going to have to dig into God's Word on your own time. You're going to have to spend time with God on a daily basis, at least reading His Word and reflecting on it. You're going to have to be diligent in studying God's Word, getting into God's Word, saying, Lord, what do you have to teach me? And opening yourself up to hear what God has to teach. You're going to have to be diligent in study. You're going to have to be diligent in study. But not only must you be diligent in study, you also must be diligent in practice. There must be diligence in practice. Look at verses 3 and 4. Four, let me back up there. But even now you are not yet ready for, because you are still of the flesh. Now, Paul uses an adjective there, and, and literally you, you might say you're acting fleshly. You're being fleshly. 
He's not saying you're in the flesh. No, he's already said you're in Christ. You're, you're acting like infants in Christ. You're infants in Christ. You're, you're brothers and sisters. You're in Christ. But you're acting fleshly. You're acting childish. You're acting like you're still in the flesh. You're supposed to be living spiritually in the spirit. That's what you are. You're in the spirit. You're in Christ, but, but you're acting fleshly. You're acting like you're still of the flesh. You're acting fleshly. While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving, behaving only in a human way? You're supposed to be acting like the Spirit of God's living in you. You're, you're supposed to, think, to focus on the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. You're acting fleshly. Now what Paul is getting at there is he's, he's kind of addressing an issue that they have, but he expects the opposite, right? He's teaching us the opposite. You're acting this way, but what you should be doing is you should be acting according to the Spirit. In other words, you should be applying God's Word to your life. You should be making practice of what you're hearing from God's Word. All the foundations, all the fundamentals that I taught you, you should be applying them to your life so that you, you put away jealousy and strife. That shouldn't be an issue in the church because you, you've put that stuff, you've crucified the flesh along with its desires. And now you're living in the Spirit. You're to put God's Word into practice. You see, we can, we can come to God's Word and we can study God's Word and study God's Word and study God's Word and we can know all kinds of amazing things about God's Word. Oh, oh we can talk about this Word and what it means and that Word and what it means and we can have all of these great definitions and, and, and we could act real scholarly about God's Word and have all kinds of knowledge. What good is knowledge if we don't put it to practice? What good is the knowledge if we don't put it to practice? Uh, for instance, if you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, man, your cholesterol is just skyrocketed, what you need to do is you need to get on a diet. You need to cut out all that fat, all, that, all the pork and bacon and all, all the good stuff, right? You need to cut that out so that we can get your cholesterol down. Well, you can have that knowledge, but if you don't go out and put it to practice, if you don't cut out the bacon and the sausage and all of those things, then guess what? Your cholesterol is going to stay right where it is. Nothing's going to change. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't put it to practice, practice it's no good. And, you know, there's a lot of Christians that have a lot of Bible knowledge in their head, but they don't practice it. If we're going to be mature in Christ, if we're going to grow in spiritual maturity, then not only must we study, be diligent in studying God's Word, we must be diligent in putting God's Word to practice. A few passages of Scripture confirm this even further. And you can turn with me there, if you would, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I want to look at verses 11 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Pages of turning. Hebrews 5, verse 11. 
Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since, he's having the same problem here, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, the fundamentals of the faith. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, in the word of God, since he is a child. But solid food, the deeper things of God, solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers, uh, for those who have their powers of discernment train, look at this, by constant practice. To distinguish good from evil so in other words these are the ones the spiritually mature are the ones who have god's word and have put it into practice constant practice so it requires diligence and study and diligence in practice now turn on over there to the next book james james chapter one a few pages over James chapter 1, verse 22. A familiar verse, James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, that is God's word, and perceives, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, who puts it into practice, he will be blessed in his doing. So here's the one who, who's diligent in study and not diligent in practice. He's the one who goes to the mirror in the morning Hair all stuck up, going this way, that way, another way, sleepers in the eyes, funky breath, morning breath, looks at the mirror and says, ah, head of work, and goes out the door, right? Doesn't change a thing. Well, James says that's what the person is like who goes to God's Word, who reads God's Word, who studies God's Word, and doesn't apply God's Word. He's like the one who goes to the mirror, he doesn't change a thing. He goes out and says, all right. He says, be a doer who acts, who does something, who applies it to his or her life. That person will be blessed in his or her doing. Now, one more book over, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to get this, right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, just two, three pages over there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander, and the list could go on and on. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
So he's talking to young Christians. He says, desire the milk. Put away all the sinful things. Put away the things of the flesh. Look at God's Word. Feed on God's Word. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. So, dear friend, if we want to grow up in Christ, then we must put God's Word into practice. We must study it. We must be diligent in putting God's Word into our mind. Then we also must be putting it into practice. We've got to do what God's Word tells us to do. Otherwise, we, will, we might fill our head up with knowledge. We might know everything that there is to know about the Bible, but they'll be babies, infants. Spiritual maturity requires due diligence. Yes, be diligent in studying God's Word. We must be diligent in studying God's Word. Be attentive to God's Word hearing God's Word preached, be attentive in, in reading God's Word and studying God's Word. But also be diligent in putting God's Word to How do I apply this text to my life? Spiritual maturity requires due diligence. It requires effort. Second, spiritual maturity requires divine dependence. It requires divine dependence. It requires dependence upon God. Look at verse 5. What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? I notice what he, he, the term he uses there. What? It doesn't say who is Apollos, who is Paul, but what? What is Paul? What is Apollos? And he answers his question here, servants through whom you believe. So Paul here, he recognizes, he recognizes human agency. He recognizes human agency. There are people who God put in the church to teach God's word. He says, what is Paul? What is Apollos? We're instruments. He, he kind of depersonalizes himself here because he, he wants people to see they're fighting over personalities. They're, they're struggling over personalities. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. And he says, let's get the personality out of it. What am I? I am a servant. I am a tool in the master's hands. That's what I am. So there is human agency. Yes, God uses human beings to, to, to teach God's word. To preach God's word, to deliver the gospel. Yes, he works through humans, but God who does the work. It's God who does the work. We are only, I am only an instrument. As I'm sitting here preaching to you today, I'm not here, right? It's not me, it's, it's God. I'm an instrument in his hands. That's it. What I have to say from my own thoughts, is worthless. I am God's agent. I'm his tool. You know, last year, about this time, a group of us went down to the Monroe, and we went to uh, a Mandy Harvey concert. And Barry and Sue actually played in the, the uh, orchestra that assisted her. Now, Mandy Harvey is a magnificent musician. Uh, she studied music. 
up to the age of 18. She had plans to be a, a music teacher, so she was going to college to study music. But at the age of 18, there was a genetic disorder that came on and, and completely death today. Yet, here's a woman who can, though she can't hear the music anymore, she can sing in perfect pitch. And she sits up there and she plays her ukulele right along. It keeps perfect timing and everything because she can feel the vibrations. It was an amazing thing. I mean, just to see her play and perform, it was awe-inspiring, right? It was wonderful. And at the end of the concert, everybody there in the Civic Center, we... Bravo, you know, uh, encore, encore. And, and, and she walked off the stage. And as we were clapping, I mean, we stayed standing and what were we hoping for we were hoping that maybe she would come back out and take another bow and maybe even play an encore performance uh, that's what we were expecting now think about this what if as we were sitting there clapping for mandy if a roadie came out holding her ukulele it'd be like what's this cat doing we didn't want to see the ukulele because the ukulele is useless outside of the hands of the master player. I'm the ukulele. I'm useless. Every teacher and life group is an instrument. They're useless. That's what Paul said. Yes, there's agency, but must rely on God's power. Notice there, verse 6, 7. Actually, going on in verse 5. We were servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to eat. So we were did what God called us to do. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. Literally, God caused the growth. So neither he who planted nor he who waters is anything. Only God who gives the growth. You see, it's God's power. I'm sitting here preaching today and I'm teaching you God's word goes on deaf ears unless God opens up your ears, opens up your hearts to take it in, to hear it, and to you can study and read God's word and study God's word all you want to, but if God's power, if his spirit doesn't open up the word to you and, and reveal how to apply that to your life, if he doesn't give you the power to apply it to your life, then that's useless. A lot of non-Christians out there who read God's word never apply a thing to their lives. See, there is human agency, but we must absolutely rely on the power of God. It is God who gives the growth. Farmers understand this. Using this analogy that Paul is using, farmers understand this. Farmers know that, yes, it, it requires 
it, there's a requirement of them. If they want a good crop at, the, at harvest time, then there's some human requirements there. They're going to have to go out, and they're going to have to plow that field. They're going to have to plant the seed. They're going to have to water that field. But ultimately, when they lay their head down at night, every night during the summer, they, have, they ultimately know that if God doesn't cause the rain to fall, if he, if he doesn't give the sunlight in its season, then that crop is not going to grow. Ultimately, though they work hard, they, they do their diligence, ultimately it's God who gives the growth. If God doesn't give the growth, they're not going to have a good crop. For Christian, that's the do all the work you've got to do the work there's human agency there you've got to work at it you've got to put in the effort you've got to rely on god's power to actually grow. even in your own life you've got to require you got to depend upon god's power for life spiritual maturity requires divine dependence you're dependent upon the power of god therefore Christian, hey, prayer has to be a, 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 an, it's a, an essential part of, of your, your spiritual life. You want to grow up into Christ, you can't just study the Word. You've got to pray, God, show me. Feel your Word to me. Make it real to me. Open it, open it up to me so that I can understand it. Show me how to apply it to me and lord give me the power to do it because let's be honest flesh is strong if it's just uh, it's just uh, you know for us to kind of overcome the flesh we're not going to do it god to help us even even overcome our own desires Must be the absolutely must be spiritual purity requires due diligence. It requires divine dependence. Third, spiritual maturity requires a unified purpose. It requires a unified purpose. Look at those last couple of lines there, verses eight and nine. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now this is kind of transitioning, starting to transition into the, the next, next paragraph there, which we'll look at next week. But, but really focus in on that first line. He who plants and he who waters are one. They are united in the same purpose. And that purpose is the purpose of God. Now what's the purpose of God for us, for us Christians? What's the purpose of God for our lives? As Paul has been kind of, he's been showing us this already a good bit. Purpose for us is first of all to grow in Christ. That's his, his reason for writing this couple of paragraphs right here. He wants, to see, wants these Christians to see that they need to grow up. Our purpose as followers of Jesus Christ is to grow up in Christ, to grow in Christ. We're to grow up in our maturity. We're to be more like him. That's his goal for us. That's God's ultimate end goal for us. 
For when Christ returns, Scripture tells us that we will be united with him. He'll come down and we'll go up and we will see him and we will become like him, perfectly like him. So that's the end goal. But even now, as we walk in this life, as we walk in faith, Christ wants us to grow up. He wants us to be like him. That's his aim for us. He wants us to be purified. He wants us to be holy. No, it's not going to be perfect in this life. We'll deal with sin. We'll housed in this old body of flesh, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to mess up. We're going to have our falls. But Christ is there working in us. The Spirit is working in us to lift us up every time we stumble and fall the spirit is there to lift us up and get us back on our feet and get us back on the the road to being like christ he wants us to grow and mature and so that's our purpose in life that should be your desire in life to grow in christ to grow up in christ grow in spiritual maturity so our unified purpose as a church is to grow in christ Second, our second purpose is to glorify Christ. As we grow in Christ, the whole reason we grow in Christ is to honor and glory in Christ. Second Peter 3, 17 through 18 puts it like this. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you, not, you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability don't go the way of the world don't go the way of the flesh but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ first purpose grow up in christ grow in christ second to him be glory both now and to the day of eternity amen Peter says, put away the way of the world. Put away the flesh. Grow in Christ. Why? To his glory. Christ. Ever and ever. Amen. Everything that we do in this life is to be for the glory of Jesus. So our, our aim, our purpose, God's purpose for us, and our unified purpose as a church should be to grow up in Christ and we grow up in Christ to the glory of Christ, to exalt Christ. Point others to That's what Paul's getting at in this passage. I plan. It's what God's called me to do. Here's my spiritual gift. Paul says, my spiritual gift was to come as a missionary, as an evangelist, and I planted the seed. I planted the seed of faith. Apollos, he came along, and his gift was, was the preaching of the word. He, he was kind of your pastor for a while, and, and so he watered. He watered the seed. He did his part, what God had called him to do. That was what God brought him to the church to do. Each one has their part, but it's a unified, it's a, a unified purpose, a unified uh, objective. Grow in Christ. For me, God has given me the gift of preaching and teaching. And that's my purpose here at First Pastor, is to teach the Word of God, to do the watering, 
cultivating along the way, right? That's, that's my purpose in life. And your purpose, God has given each one here, each Christian here, God has given you a, a spiritual gift. And he doesn't want that gift to be idle. He wants that gift to be used for the unified purpose of growing in Christ and glorifying Christ. So whatever your gift is, whether it's prayer, whether it's faith, whether it's giving, whatever your gift is, you are to use that gift for the unified purpose to grow in Christ and to glorify Christ. Even as your preacher, I cannot grow unless you use your gift that God has given you for this church health of this I need you to use your gift so that I can grow to like you need my gift to grow to we're to have a unified purpose as a church as a body of Christ to help one another to spur one another along that's the whole purpose for life groups right we're to love one another in life groups where we love one another we bear one another's burdens and we we stir up one another grow in christ to do good things for christ to glorify christ that's one of the great purposes of our church so we are unified together as a body of believers not just about me you 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 all to work together so that we can grow up together in Christ spiritually maturity, spiritual maturity requires unified purpose therefore dear Christian get involved in the mission of the don't be a superficial Christian who just shows up on Sunday and, and that's it, right? You just show up, you do your part, check off that box, and that's it. Don't be that person. Get involved in the life of the church. Get involved in a life group. Get involved. Find a place to serve the church, to use your gifts, to use your talents for the glory of God in the church. Part of the unified growing Christ glory get on the path to get on the path to you need to get on the path you're not on the path you come and, and you're you're not on the path at all because you've never tried. your task today if you call it a task but you're what you do today, what you have to do to get on the spiritual uh, the path of spiritual maturity is simply that, trust in Jesus. Turn away from doing, following the world, doing the things of the world, and turn to Jesus. He will save you. He will give you a new purpose. He will give you a new life. Trust in Him. Seek Him. others not been investing in God's word you've not been investing in learning it and, and applying it to your life hey hey into your life completely God's will for you make that commitment 
to join in the unified purpose of this body of believers to grow in Christ. Or five. Heavenly Father, Lord, we recognize that without your power working in us, there's no life whatsoever. You think about Thanksgiving, we give thanks. Life we have in you. Father God, we pray today that you would work in us and grow us and mature us as a body of believers, that you would grow us together to be more like Jesus. And that through that, Lord, this this city, this parish would, would see your glory through us. And Father, I do pray if there's anyone, and certainly there is someone here today who doesn't know you, has never trusted in Jesus, they've never even born in Christ yet. Lord, I pray that you would give them spiritual life today. Give them new birth today. Let them trust in Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name.